so I, you know. Wow. Okay, I guess it's time to go. I got two people saying, shut up and start talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So I guess we're going to shut up and start talking. Okay. So we are, as I take prayer requests, we're going to go to Exodus. We're going to be in Job, and we're going to be in Numbers and any other number of places. So, yeah, and I may just quote them. I may, we may go there, but. We'll get started this morning. Does anybody have any prayer requests or praise reports? What's good going on? What's bad going on? Well, you're here. That's a praise report. That is a praise report. We are glad of that. Yes. That's right. That's true. That's good. All right. Well, let's just open it. Oh, yes. Hope. Okay. Yeah, right. Uh huh. Wow, that's good. There you go. That's. Oh, wow. You can go on a road trip. <laughs> Do what? That's right. Yeah. What is it? Check it. Be quiet. <laughs> okay, shake it. I didn't know what I was saying. I'll re I'm like a two-year-old. I'll only remember negative things. <laughs> yes. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for all your many blessings. We thank you, God, that you have delighted to know us, Lord God, and we delight to know you. We ask you, Lord God, to show us your ways, Lord God. I pray that you would lead us and guide us, God, that you would help us, Lord, in everything that we do. Open my mouth to speak your word. Open our heart to receive revelation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Psalm 8 asks this question. See, I didn't even tell you it was going to Psalm, did I? That's just what popped in my head. So Psalm 8 asks this question, 8 and 4. What is man that you, capital, that you, God, are mindful of him, and the son of man that you attend to him? What a great question. What is man that you, God, are mindful of him, and the son of man that you attend to him? For you have made him a little lower than the Elohim, or the angels, the divine beings. Capital, I mean, not capital E, lowercase e, Elohim. So when you, right, all of the divine beings. And crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatever travels the paths of sea. O oh Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. What is man that you are mindful of him? Gosh, 
What is man that you are mindful of him? You would think. And then, but what is his, what is his mindful of about us? Mindful. Everything. Now, the understanding of God's mind toward man has not always been so clear-cut. I would dare say it's not that clear-cut even amongst us today. Because I believe that if we were to truly understand the mind of God toward humanity, the world would be another place entirely. And so we, I said we're going to Exodus, and we'll get there, I promise. But first we're going to go to Job. Job, this book, who goes to Job? My Bible won't even turn there. Job, here we go. Job, I want to just read a few scriptures in answering what is man that you are mindful of him. Now, I've come up with an alternative. To, you know, the, the suffering of the righteous is the classical definition of what Job is all about. And I don't dispute that, but I've come up with another. It is appropriate speech. What is appropriate speech? Well, not most of the stuff... And I, and I submit to you, I get it, I get it, and I submit to you that our knowledge of who God is and his mindfulness of us is directly related to our speech of others and of him. So it's important that if we're going to say what needs to be said right, and I have in this year discovered, I've all, I mean, I grew up in church, a Baptist church, and they didn't care what you said as long as you said the prayer. You, pr you pray the prayer. Did you say the prayer? And after that, you're just, you know, just ask forgiveness anytime. That's just sort of the way it was presented. Did you pray the prayer? And then I started going to, I fell down the stairs at the Baptist church when I was 15. I never had any intention of going to a Pentecostal church. Didn't like you people. Weirdos. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so my parents had started going to one of those freaky churches. The big difference I saw in the Baptist church and the Pentecostal church, well, there were several, but here was the big iconic difference. In the Baptist church, you only went to the altar three times in your life. When you got saved, when you wanted to be baptized, well, fourth. You could add a fourth one if you're real bad. When you got saved, when you wanted to be baptized, if you wanted to switch churches, you know, change, move your membership, your letter, or the dastardly one, rededication. Woo, and that, you didn't want to do, two, yeah, the rededication was, yeah, right. So those were, and then the difference in a Pentecostal church was, this is what I noticed, that no one went to the altar in the Baptist church except for those four reasons. And so only in my mind as a Baptist, only just about only sinners went to the, the altar in the Baptist church. Some version of sinner or somebody in their migration of coming out of sinning. And in the Pentecostal church, only the sinners stayed in their seat. That's my 15-year-old mind assessing. I mean, I go to the Pentecostal church, and it's comfortable in the pew. And, you know, and then the altar service comes, and everybody goes to the altar. And they're looking around, looking back, who didn't come? Hmm, that. So I learned real quick, you get to the altar, camouflage. Because <laughs> if you stayed back there in your seat... That's right. Yeah, exactly. Because if you stayed in your seat, then the then the one the most spiritual at the altar would turn back around and go. <laughs> so I wasn't about it. I wasn't about it because I was proper and dignified. Until the day I fell down the stairs, and all dignity went out the window. I won't tell that story, but it was so humiliating that I never went back to the Baptist church again, ever. It was my Damascus Road experience. 
And I've told Mike many times, if I hadn't fallen down the stairs, you'd be a Baptist preacher. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so then we, where am I at? So here, here, you know, I've forgotten entirely what I was saying. And I had a point to make with that. What is man that you are mindful of him? And here, if we knew God somewhere, and there's a good point, but let's just go to Job 4. Something will catch me in a second. Job 4, 17. I got my Kleenex. Appropriate speech. Oh, that's good. That's some, somehow that makes sense. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Job 4, 17. Here is one of the friends with his speech. It's a speech. It's all about speeches. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Ooh. You say no way. Mm. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? What does it mean to be righteous? What did you just say? Ooh. 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 <laughs> I like it. Let's go. <laughs> Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? He does not trust his servants, and he charges his angels with error. This is what, this is what Job's friend saying about God. Can a man be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? He does not trust his servants. And he charges his angels with error even more. Those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before the moth. They are broken in pieces from morning till evening. They perish forever without anyone regarding them. Are not their tent ropes plucked up, plucked up, and they die even without wisdom? Job, how dare you declare that you are righteous? We open the book and God declared Job as what? Wow. If God says I'm righteous... Which means, look it up in the Strongs. It means as you ought to be. But there had to be something happen to make this happen. See, we're not omitting that. We're not omitting what makes us righteous. We are not omitting that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But my point is, is that if God views us through a lens... If God, what is man that you are mindful of him? If God, what is God's mind full of toward man? And now I'm not taking Christ out of the equation. Do I think that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world? Yes. Do I believe that everyone in the world is saved? No, absolutely not. Because what must happen? You must be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. That you have to be born of flesh. I assume all of you have been. I see you in the flesh. And then, but I cannot see if you've been born of spirit. That you need a recreated spirit whereby you communicate with God. A righteous spirit whereby those right that is filled with the Holy Spirit. From the time my kids were little bitty, I would ask them, where does Jesus live? And they would say two things. He lives in heaven. Where else does he live? They said, in my heart. And I would say, how does he live in your heart? And my children would answer, by the Holy Spirit. I wanted them to know that. I wanted them to know that they were the house of God, that their, their spirit had been recreated and it was the habitation of God and the Holy Spirit dwelt in them and they were reconnected with God through spiritual rebirth. And then what that meant that they had a spirit, they were, they were spirits who lived in a body. 
and had a soul. I wanted that from the very start because I wanted my children to be able to walk on this earth knowing how they were governed and how to govern. I wanted them to know what God's mind was full of regarding them and how to interact with their maker. So here, that was Job 4, 17 through 21. And that was the friend coming to him. And he's refuting Job. He's saying, Job, 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 you must have done something wrong. Now, I would just go, I've been doing a lot of study in Job, and majority of theologians think that Job is a parable, not an actual, you can believe it however you want to. And they open it up, the reason, because when you find all the calamity that happened, it's like, and while Job was doing this, a messenger came, and then while that one was speaking, another one came. It's sort of so much on top of each other, it starts to sound like, and oddly enough, you know, you're starting to set up, but you can, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just throw that out there so you can, you can do your own study in it. There's a lot of things written about Job. I mean, theologians, they love to jump around in Job. You can find anything you want. Okay, 15, Job 15, 14 through 16. Same guy speaking again. He repeats it again. What is man that he should be pure? See, do you see what he's saying? He's, see, the Psalm 8 has already said, What is man that you are mindful of him? And everyone is coming in, and they are giving their own. They're sort of quoting that psalm, but they're twisting it a little bit, right? Here he is saying again, What is man that he should be pure? And who is born of a woman that he should be righteous? Behold, he puts no trust in his holy ones. He's saying God doesn't put any trust in his holy ones. And the heavens are not pure in his sight. How much more aboard and corrupt is man who drinks iniquity like water? Wow, that's dismal, isn't it? What, I just read Psalm 8. What is man that you, what you crown him with? And see, his, see that's his version. See, do we, what we're doing here is we're starting to see each one of Job's so-called friends. They're coming in and they're giving testament testimony they're giving speeches words are flying out of their mouth none of us know anything about that with regard to their assessment of why job is in the situation he's in and it all has to do with how they view god in light of job and job in light of god they're all just offering commentary and so here we have them, he comes in and says that again. And, and basically the same thing, Job 22. It's like the identical thing. We're starting to see, oh, I'm starting to see a theme. This is awfully repetitive here. Okay, Job 22. This guy answered, can a man be profitable to God? As he who is wise may be profitable to himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that you are righteous? Or is it... Again, again to him that you make your ways blameless. In other words, he's questioning him. And then Job 25, 25, 4 through 6. How then can man be righteous with God? Or how can he who is born of a woman be clean? Behold, even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man who is a maggot and the son of man who is a worm? Are you all encouraged by this friend? Well, and by all means, Job is fitting the, I mean, I mean, this is bad news. I wonder sometimes what our mouths are full of. What our assessment of God is based on, do we take all of our circumstance to make our basis of our assessment toward God? But I love the Lord. I love when he shows up, it gets, it gets good. And then the Lord answered Job. We all go. Then the Lord, oh, sorry, 38 chapters, look at her, she said chapter and verse, 38 and 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said. He answered him out of the whirlwind. Who is this who darkens counsel without knowledge? <laughs> what? Who are all these talkers with nothing to say? 
blah, 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 blah. Who is man that you are mindful of him? You're not righteous, Job. Admit it. You're not who God, you don't have anything. Job, 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 Job. Get a job, Job. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel without knowledge? Prepare yourself like a man, for I will question what is man that you are mindful of him. Prepare yourself like a man. Get up and act like the who you were created to be. Who he said, I will question you. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And he goes through this whole thing. Where were you? And now we start to understand. The Lord starts to reveal himself. Now the question has been for many times. It's like, was God rebuking Job or was God okaying Job? It sort of seems to be very questionable. But we get to the end of the whole discourse. And he says again in, in 40 and 7. Or, yes, seven. Prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me. Will you indeed annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be righteous? Have you an arm like God? Or can you thunder with a voice like him? Adorn yourself now with majesty and excellence and array yourself with glory and beauty. Now, it's been said that the Lord is either he's doing one of two things here. Either he's stepping forth to Job and he's squashing him like a bug and using his omnipotence. Where were you when I told the oceans how far they could go? Where were you whenever I laid up the storehouses of snow? Where were you, Job, when I did when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where where were, either he is he either he's a cosmic bully and that's how a lot of interpretation of that is is that Lord's just setting the, I'm just setting the record straight I'm gonna pop a knot in your tail Joe but then it all comes to it it all comes down to it and the Lord never says that Job was not righteous so there's another there's another Absolutely. And there's, so there's another narrative that starts to emerge here. It's Job's placement in the mind of God. Who knew the end from the beginning? And then many would, many would say to that, Take me off of the trial list. Right, and we all know that. And that's the sub see, that's that's what that's the that's the that's the standard understanding of Job. Suffering in the face of, of or, or suf the suffering of the righteous. But I am just try all I'm doing, I'm not trying to blow up your theological wagons here. I'm just trying to get you to look through the lens of what is man that you are mindful of him? What is the assigned role of humanity on earth? What is in the mind of God toward man? What does God think of us? Can God declare us righteous and it actually have a fundamental spiritual impact on us enough that we behave differently? I mean, I'm just wondering, tell me if you know. Yep, Deborah first. She's had her, she, she was first. Righteous. Mm -hmm. That's it. Good. And you make a good point there. Right. Right. And they're all speaking for the voice of God, though. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but you said something there. You said it's appropriate speech. What is appropriate? So Job takes, you said the words. It took them right out of my mouth that I wanted to say. Job takes his complaint to You're dead. But you had another report. That's it. So that is my point in all of this is the question is what is appropriate, if we just take this out, what is appropriate speech before God? And you said it. Taking your complaint to God. Many times we have found ourselves in the place where something tragic happens. How many of you find it therapeutic just to ignore tragedy and pretend it's not there? How many of you are like, that works like a charm for me? It doesn't work. Many people try that a little while. They only become some weird, fake thing that you're like, whoa, odd, odd alert, odd alert. You know what I mean? But when you, we have the children of Israel when they were at Kadesh Barnea and they went and sent in the, the 12 spies. And they came back, you know the story, with an evil report. And this is what the Bible says. It says that the people complained in their tent. They just grumbled in themselves about God. I'm just going to tell you, if you got a gripe, you better, you'll be far better off taking your speech of complaint to God and not to your friends and to your neighbors and certainly not just packing it in your hot little heart, just turning it into a toxic environment, waiting to spew out on the poor checker at Walmart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Take it to the Lord. See, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And so much of what I learned, I learned just by the Holy Spirit, as good a teacher as he is. And I would have conflict at school. Now, my mainstay for resolving conflict in the house I grew up in was one thing and one thing only. Beat their butts. Just whip them. Just, whip, just call, pick a fight and stomp them. And if you can't beat them, if they're bigger than you, pick up an equalizer. That's how I was raised. Fight. Just fight. 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 I mean, you know my family. Mike can attest to this. This was my family, right? They were, they were renowned, renowned in the little area that we come from. The infamous, they fight. It's what they do. They fight. And so whenever I got saved, the Holy Spirit began to instruct me with a different type of, and so I would get in an altercation, you know, I'd have a, with an issue with a kid at school. You know, I'm just a kid. The Lord, I guess it was the Lord, instructed me to write out my complaint in a letter. Write it, I'd write. Man, I'd sit down, I'd write pages and pages. Ooh, I just, I'm telling you, I'd just get it out. And you know what the Lord told me to do after that? Throw it away. And I learned that works. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of psychology behind that, but I didn't have access. I wasn't doing this because psychology had told me to do so. I was only doing what the Holy Spirit had told me to do. And I've learned this through the years, but there's right kind of speech and there's wrong kind of speech. And if all you're doing is placating the Lord through religious performance, but all the while you're just complaining about God in your tent... I mean, you are keeping yourselves from the promised land. Now, that's just one side of the story. See, Job, we have right speech here. So we find out that 
God, let's see, this, I'm going to go, Job 40, I already read this. Okay, Job 40, 7 through 10. This is the point I wanted to make with that. Prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you. Now, let's just put this, let's phrase this where God's not being sarcastic. Now, I know it's easy to read that, sort of, maybe sarcastic is not the way. Maybe it's, what would be a better word for that? Like this. Okay, I'll just do it this way. I think I can act it out better. I'm God, Tommy, and you're Tommy. Prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, never mind. Right? You're ta- but that, that conversation was meant to do what? I have just, my, that confrontation was meant to lower you and shut you up. Right? Right. But then if I come up and I say, let it go. Prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me. See how, one's an invitation. See, it all has to do with how you read it, right? Tommy, prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. What I've just said is, Tommy, prepare yourself like a man. Let's have a conversation. Let's have conversation. See, a lot of it, but see how we read that, how we read that depends on what? what we've been taught. So what, 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 how we read that depends on what our assessment of what God's mind is full of. Are we open to that kind of a level of a dialogue? Are we open to that type of honesty? Do we see a God who would enter into conversation with us or someone who just wants to zap us with lightning bolts and keep us in a, you know, a bullying type of, I mean, who's going to stand up to God, really? I mean, right, but yet there's this, there's this welcome mat open. I mean, we know it in the New Testament, don't we? Now, did I say that weird? Don't, don't. <laughs> Some, don't leave. <laughs> Something came out weird there. So we have it. It's Hebrews 4 and 9 or 20 or 19, somewhere like that. I don't know. I'm just guessing stuff now. It is in Hebrews 4. But come boldly, therefore, to the throne of grace. But what has happened? What has happened from Hebrews 4 to Job? A whole lot of revelation of Jesus Christ. He's completely brought the fullness of the tetelestai, the cross experience, has been finished. And what did Jesus, if I could say, what are the two things ultimately that Jesus came to do? I know, don't take out dying on a cross for our sins. I mean, we all know religion has programmed us with that. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but we've gotten that message, right? We've gotten it. But see, we sort of miss the other two components. Because if Jesus just came to die on our cross for our sins, he could have died as a baby and done the same thing. And that's dying on the cross for our sins. That's just another way of saying it. So, but what? To see, he did, dying on the cross for our sins. You've got it again. What? To show, okay, okay, so we're, we're starting to dial in on it a little bit more. He came, James says it real clear. James 1.18. That he came to reveal the fall. He came to exegete. That's what the word reveal there. Exegete, if you're a theologian, you know to exegete is to bring revelation. He came to exegete. He came to explain the Father. He came to us to tell us what God's, was my, what God's mind was full of regarding us. He didn't just come to reveal the Father. In Him was life. I'm in John 1 still. And that life... Zoe was the light, the foes of men. In him was the God kind of life, the actual image-bearing life that God had in mind for all humanity. You tracking with me? And that life, I mean, we could say in him was the tree of life. Oh, come on. In him was the actual tree of life. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my, my blood, he will have everlasting life. And 
the tree of life in the garden, what are they supposed to They eat the fruit of that tree, and what do they have? You will never die. In him was life. Jesus said, I'm the tree of life, and that life is the light of men. It's the candle, the candle, the illumination. If I light a candle and I'm walking through a dark house, what am I doing with that candle? And what is that candle telling me to do? where to step? When I, it's guiding me, it's, it's giving me revelation of what was dark to me. If God's mind is darkened to me, what his mind is full of with regard to me, then the life of Jesus is the candle for me. And he lights the candle and he says, this is what God looks like and this is what you look like, princess. And now, and now I have the full exposition. What is man that you are, what is in your mind, God? I'll get there. I'll get there. And I will show you what's in my mind with regard to who you are and to what I have for you. But see, we get there and we can't just park at the righteousness when we receive the righteousness of Christ as our own imputed, imparted righteousness. We can't just stop there because here's the question God asked me. I'll ask you. Is doing what is right defined as not doing what is wrong. Oh. There you go. And James was, he was clever. And he put it this way. He said, faith without works is dead. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. He says that just not doing wrong doesn't make you right. It's just the start of the... So it's, the, it's two sides of the same coin. Let's call it the righteousness coin. On one side is not doing the wrong. Then we flip it over, and what's on the other one? Doing the right. And so when we come into this, now we're starting to get a little bit of clarity into what I'm talking about here. And I'm still talking about intercession. You didn't even know. See, I'm not talking about law. So now I said the not doing the right and doing the wrong. Some of you are like, okay, here's a list of do's and don'ts. We're right back to, we're not even, not even close to that again. Isaiah, the sixth chapter, whenever the Lord appeared before Isaiah in his commissioning service, and he saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the pillars, and they shaked, and there was the, the cherubim, and they were hollering, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the whole earth is full of his glory, and, and that was their message, and he's like, whoa, and he said, woe is me, for I am undone, and I live in the midst of a, of a people with what? Unclean lips, I can't get my speech right, I don't know what to say. Realize that you are the only thing created in the animal kingdom with communication. And that's what makes you, in much ways, you have, you are intelligent, most of you have intelligible communication. <laughs> Sometimes I do. <laughs> just a joke, just a joke. So we have intelligible communication. I mean, I know some of you think you talk to your dogs. <laughs> they don't talk. If you have a parrot, if you have a parrot that can say, Polly want a cracker, it's not intelligible. It's just, it's, just re, it's just by rote. It's just saying it. So we have words. But I live in the, in the midst of, an, uh, of, a, of a nation, of a people, of a humanity with unclean lips. And if anybody had clean lips, it ought to be Isaiah. He's in the covenant people, the prophet to the covenant people. He's the one declaring the voice of God to the people. Well, not yet because this is commissioning service. But he's, I mean, he's, he's so right that he gets called. But he says, my lips are unclean. And what happens? The burning one takes a coal off of the altar and it touches his lips. And what does he instantly say? Not yet. No, before, after woe is me. 
They touch the lips, they touch the coal from the altar to his lips. And what does he instantly say? After the coal has touched his lips, what does he say? My guilt is gone. What did he say? I am righteous. Must have felt it. He felt undoing. He felt that. He felt what being. How many of you know what it feels like to be undone? Feels like you're coming apart if something doesn't change. You know, Mike's told the story so many times. God either save me or kill me, but don't leave me like this. Where'd he take him to? Undone. Undone. He's like, you're undone. He don't like how this feels, God. What does it feel like? It feels undone. What happened in the room that night on 711 Jefferson Street? He, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the whole house was full of his glory in that sense. And Mike said he came to that place, and God's like, What's, what do you feel, Mike? Undone. I feel undone. I feel undone. He's like, no, no, I can't. I can't. I'm undone. I'm undone. And the Lord said, just jump. Just surrender. Just surrender everything. Just surrender. Just surrender. Accept the coal. Accept the coal. Accept the coal to your lips. Accept the coal to your lips. I've tried. I can't. I can't. Don't say you can't. Say you can. Say I will. Say I surrender. I can't. What would you keep saying? I can't. Say I surrender. Right? Say, I can't. You just stop saying you can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Jeremiah, don't say that. Say what you see. Say, I. And you finally said what? I surrender. And the coal touched his lips. The altar, which is Christ. The live coal. Now, Whenever the coal touched his lips, he says the same thing. Just as he felt undone, he felt done. Just like, and but see, Isaiah, just like Isaiah, he didn't leave it there. Oh, thank God, my sins are forgiven. Woo-hoo, I'm going to sleep now. Isaiah, then God asks the question, who will go for us? The man who was just undone a second ago. <laughs> what happened? When he, when he said, when he was declared righteous, see, he didn't do the wrong anymore. But see, it's not just enough, is it? The other side of the coin is not just not doing wrong. It's I got to do something with this righteousness. I, I can't just park it on a shelf and get my name in some annals of some book of life somewhere so that when I die, I don't have to go to hell. No, this righteousness has begotten, 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 has started a life within me. And that life has to have an output. It's got to do something. And I propose to you that that thing that it has to do is the thing that it has, it'll look different in every single one of us. But it will be the same fundamental thing because it's how we were made. We will stand between the living and the dead. We will. We will. I have to. What is this righteousness? What is the urge in me? And some of you are like, I don't have that urge. And I say, you need to know what God's mind is full of toward you. You have let all of the would-be commentators surrounding your life define who God is and not the actual God of the Bible. He just wants, he just wants someone who will understand the point of righteousness. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Competition. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Then let's hear it. What? Yep, yep, yep. Of who God is. To testify to the truth. To tell you the truth. Yes. Yeah. It sounds like American philosophy too. <laughs> right. So we see that he came to testify regarding the truth. To the truth. What is the truth? What God's mind is full of man vis-a-vis -vis God face to face that you have been made to stand vis-a-vis -vis. that means that's all French for us face to face mm-hmm Well, I'm saying, I'm saying this, that the well is essentially clogged with wrong ideals, wrong understanding. Who is this who offers wisdom without knowledge? Who is this who tells all about who you are and who I am? Who is this that comes to reveal truth without the bother of knowledge? <laughs> and who, what did Jesus come to do? See, the question in Job is left open-ended, isn't it? Why did Job suffer? What is the answer? We don't get a lot of answers. You don't get answers because the answer, God, I love God. Oh, my gosh. He is the boss. He will pose a question and leave it hanging there for hundreds and thousands of years and be okay with an unanswered question. See, the questions in Job were unanswered until John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. We could, I wrote in under my, not really, but we could write in under our Bible, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We could say, Behold, the Lamb of God, <clears throat> the answers to Job's questions. The presenter of truth. The one who, his life, he's the tree of life, and his life is the candle to our life. It is what illuminates who we actually are and while we are actually here. The big question then comes to our mind is, God, in my own life, what is appropriate speech? Say what he says. But see, then, and I agree, because that's what the Lord is saying. Okay, faith is the essence of faith. In my, you know, of trusting the Lord is this, to see what he sees and say what he says, right? But see here, what the Lord is revealing to me, he's like, great, Andrea, you're doing good. Stick with me. Stick with me. There's another layer to this, what words I'm going to put in your mouth. And, and I'm going to have to anchor. See, I could... I could put you there, and you would be a type of Solomon. And I'd say, just ask me, and whatever I have, I'll give it to you. And I could say, and I could make a wise request, and I could say, oh, Lord, yeah. I won't, I'm a child. I need wisdom and knowledge. And he said, and because you've asked for wisdom and knowledge, I'm going to give you wealth and riches too. But if that is not grounded in a profound knowledge of who God is and who I am, if Jesus hasn't revealed the truth, I will go the way of Solomon. I'll be married to a thousand different 
things and I will be scooping up my own resources upon my own plate and devouring them just to my own destruction because I never figured out what the other side of the conversation was or what the resources were for. So he reveals the whole rest of the story. No greater love than this, that a man, what is man that you are mindful of him? That a man should lay down his life for his friends. The greatest gift that we have been given was the gift that we looked at in Moses last week. Leave me alone, Moses, so that I can destroy these people of yours. Let my wrath, Moses, just get bigger until I destroy them. And much of the modern church is like, cool, yeah, those Democrats deserve it. Joe Biden for you. (laughs) And they deserved it too. See, they did deserve it. But see, that's not my point, is that what they deserved. My point is, is Moses' position on the matter, which is, oh, God, (laughs) no. They deserve it, but don't destroy them. Don't destroy them, oh God. Don't. They are your people. They are the sheep of your pastor, oh God. See how he used his position? And he leveraged it against the very faithfulness of God. And what happened? I'm glad you asked. Exodus 33. This may be, I don't know if y'all know this or not. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this is probably the most important message I've ever taught. The most important for the day. And I think of that of all of my messages. That's just the way I am. Sorry. You should think that if you preach. Okay. Exodus 34 and 6. I told, We were going to get there somehow. I didn't know which way. No, 33, don't be messing with me. Why don't I mark this better, y'all? They're just numbers. I know. Wait, I've got got this marked really good somewhere, but I just don't know where I marked it really good. Oh, it's over here on this page. That's why. I've got three different pages on three different. It's like not. Okay, 33, 19. Let's try that. Okay, back up some. Then he said to him, 15, nope, uh, no, I don't know either. Then he said to them, if your presence does not, okay, he, he entreats his favor. The Lord does forgive him of their sin. Oh, here it is. Oh, it is 34 and 6, sorry. Then the Lord passed by before him. So Moses' intercession, this is the point I want to make with that and all my stumbling around. Moses' intercession brings revelation. Moses' intercession brings revelation. Let me show you this. And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, And abounding in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty. He says he's not some grandpa type that just winks at sin. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. See, this is a restating and a compounding of what God said of himself in the 20th chapter of Exodus when they came down with the Ten Commandments. He said of himself, 
you shall not bow down <clears throat> to them, other gods, or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children of the third and fourth generation to them who hate me, and showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Who did he show loving kindness to? To those who love him and keep his commandments. The, the threat, and I just use that word because it's just the best word I can come up with today on this, this quick. You shall not bow down before them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. See the threats first, right? The penalty. That's better. And showing loving kindness to thousands, right? Okay, now we're like, oh, this is good. So he, God's got to, you know, we're like, he's, he's got to, you don't want to make him mad. He's good, but he shows loving kindness. Okay, this is good, this is good. And who keep my covenant, who keep my commandments. What's the first thing that they did? They broke the commandments. So then what do they deserve? They, they deserve destruction. Oh, to the third and fourth generation. Jealous, iniquity. To the third and fourth generation. Deal's done. Done, gone. Moses, Moses I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to turn you into a great nation. Looks like we're going to have to do that, God. But see, Moses, see, Moses didn't, see, that's my point. Moses didn't do that. Because, see, the heart, the nature, the encounters that Moses had had with God had taught Moses who God was without the words to even know. So the experience brought him there, and something in Moses said, God's not like this. There's something else to him. There's more to him. And so, see, this is a progressive, growing revelation of who Yahweh is. And he, he comes along, and now we have another, I just read the other description to you. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. For he's, you see, he's compounding it. They just built a, the golden calf and broke the commandments, nullified the whole thing. Moses has interceded in a way that has been profitable, and now he's gone back up. God has revealed himself in a way that is amazing. And Moses comes down from the mountain with horns spreading from his head, glowing this whole thing, and we see the first glimpse the first little bitty, teeny, weeny, tiny, tiny glimpse of the intercessor of all intercessors. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, it's just, a, this is not, this is, this is who they, th see, God starts with who they think he is. And he works the revelation of himself all the way to where she took us truth and he has called us to know him enough to call on his loving kindness his goodness his mercy his long-suffering his gentleness giving thousands if we don't know him that good we won't bother to call out for our neighbors to hell with them they deserve to go to hell I see how their kid dresses like a girl I know you wouldn't say that. I know you don't say that. But many, there's an attitude. Come on, y'all. Have we never heard that attitude? Now, I just put it out there in full strength. Right? Their lack of doing what's right, not doing what's right, says they don't understand what righteousness is for. which says they don't understand who God is. What is man that you are mindful? What is your mind full of? I believe God would say, I've crowned him with glory and honor, and I've expected him to use that glory and honor to represent me and to intercede for all the world by giving, by going, by praying, and by serving. And I will make this man who I'm mindful of a prince with God, a servant of his brothers, and a master of devils. And that is what we 
are here for. Intercession is finished. Put a, put a pin in it. Bye, y'all. It is, it is, and I'm sitting here, and there's so many things that you're saying, and I'm like, oh, hey, 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 oh, yeah, and it's just, it's just amazing, and it was a beautiful confirmation, yes, and I love it when that happens. Right, right, right. 